Howdy, 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 do who fans? Welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 277. Yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Who fans. Welcome back to another week. Hope you're all well and keeping safe. Now, you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor who, who related. Related. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> we had a bit of a bombshell drop this week, dude. God, didn't we? Didn't we just? Crikey. <laughs> We're going to come on to that in a little bit, but uh, yeah. yeah, just out the blue. No warm-up, nothing. Just yeah. dropped I it. S- I saw a tweet from our good friend Sahu, Alex. That was the first I saw of it. Um, I'm sure the listeners know what we're talking about, but we will get onto it in the news. And I genuinely thought it was a wind-up. Mm-hmm. And I was sat there at work, and I thought, <clears throat> they are going to get themselves in so much trouble for that. I was on the media <laughs> thinking, no, no, you shouldn't joke about that. You're going to get slayed. <laughs> and then it was true. <laughs> I was like, really? I genuinely couldn't believe it. It was crazy. We are, of course, talking yeah. about Chris Rackerson. We'll talk about it properly in the news, but uh, yeah. Yes, indeedy. So... Yeah, we um, because we we review a lot of Big Finish regularly. Uh, we get the um, we get the emails from the Big Finish marketing dudes, and it's normally um, embargoed and stuff like that. We can't talk about it. So when I saw that email come through, I thought, I think someone's lost their mind. I thought that the heat <laughs> is just the heat is just finally. And then I saw some tweets about it, and I was like, oh, I'm still not buying it. Some, no, because well, we'll come on to it. But I thought oh, I'm just I'm not buying this. But lo and behold, uh, that that's the thing. So uh, yes, 
Anyways, welcome back to another week. New listeners who have just jumped on board the podcast, welcome, welcome, waving to you. Our regulars and old-time listeners, welcome back. It's good to have you back, as always. So yeah, it's been a bit of a nuts week. Um, Coming up, we have got this news to talk about. We've also got another cool piece of news, which might interest some people. Could be a cool thing. Uh, And then we're on to our review of part five of the Key to Time stuff. Power of Cruel. Crow, 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 out of time with the drum, crow, crow, crow. <laughs> right, Dudley, Dudders, come here. What was he doing? We've got this chant going on, so we need the music to line up with that, obviously. So you cool with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean Dudley. it, Dudley. Put the whiskey down. I mean it. We need it nailed this week. Yeah. Don't worry, mate, I've got this. <laughs> so uh, yeah we'll come on to that we're nearly there we're it's nearly one there. note how can it be out of time oh, I don't know. <laughs> but the t- he's got a, oh my god he's got a tambourine out now that's not gonna help is it you're a metronome dudley come on yeah i was gonna say wait he's one of those met- <laughs> metronome yeah oh dear uh it's been very quiet for me buddy but I, I must admit for doctor who over the last week well not- you've been having your internet tinkered with haven't you so yeah we've had a couple well i've been away i was on like staycationy time this week so um, a lot of the time, me and the family, we've been away for a few days and we've gone off and done as much as we can, um, you know, while, while we can. We'll be back to work next week and all that rubbish. Uh, so I, I've been out a lot, re- really. I've not been in the house too much. So um, normally I try and squeeze in some other Doctor Who viewing, uh, some classic or whatever. But no, nothing for me this week, dude. I've only watched The Power of Kroll, obviously, which was last Power night. Yeah, for the review. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Have you done anything Doctor who um, a little bit. So I, I, um, during the lockdown, there was a lot of Doctor Who virtual pub quizzes and stuff, which I loved doing. And then obviously, you know, went back to work and that all went out the window because I wasn't able to do them. <clears throat> um, but I finally got a Wednesday off, which is when, um, our good friend Adam does his Doctor Who pub quiz. So I was able to do the quiz this week, which was really good fun though. It's like, it was so nice after sort of the last sort of four to six weeks of not being able to do them and you you see all the tweets to everyone oh great quiz tonight and you think oh i used to love doing that so so it's really nice to to jump in and and do that again and just see a few familiar faces uh our good friend rick moran from the dwass uh did it this week with his dogs um and uh yeah it's just really really nice to be able to do the quiz again we came a respectable third out of eight teams so not 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 too bad um uh, yeah it was just really nice to do that but that's pretty much it, I think. I mean, most of, most of this week I've been working, of course, so I haven't had a chance to watch or listen to anything. I still need to finish Stranded, you know, the Eighth Doctor, the new Eighth Doctor one with the oh, curator. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, so I, I listened to the first one ah, weeks ago now, really enjoyed it, and um, I haven't managed to move on to the next story of that yet, so that, that's on there to, to listen to. Um, I also listened to Rob Shearman did a, a podcast um, the, the day we met him in London, he was on his way to do it. And uh, Adam sent me the link to the podcast because apparently we got a little mention. Um, but I listened to that. I must have missed the bit where we got mentioned because I didn't hear that particular bit. <laughs> oh, but no. It was really interesting listening to Rob chat, um, talking about him, you know, uh, his love for Doctor Who, his wanting to sort of, you know, distance himself from it at some point in his life because he felt like he'd done that and then realizing that he just loved it and he should come back to it and all that sort of stuff so that was good so i did listen to that um but that's been pretty much it really yeah i haven't had a chance to watch anything i know you were going to join me for the quiz but of course your internet 
stuff. Put the mockers on that, but you were going to join me, weren't you, on Wednesday? I was. Yeah, I got well, excited. We'll try and get well. another one in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got excited. I saw the guys tweeting out. I was like, yep, I'm up yeah. for that. And then, yeah, I just couldn't connect. It just wouldn't, yeah, BT well, or um, they've, they've kicked my ass this week. Yeah, uh, BT are a nightmare, mate. Yeah. We'll try and get another one in, though, because um, as I said, it's quite rare that I get a chance to do it, but next time we'll uh, we'll get in there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was on, um, I had Gallifrey Forever 97 on my team. You know, the guy, we oh, always Reece. nick his trailers. Yep. Oh, Reese. Yep. Yeah, he was on my team. Good so lad. I, good lad. I was in good company. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. They do this thing now called Scramble 2, which they've, I've never, or they never used to, it's a new thing and you're going to love it. Basically, they scramble up. It's like, you know, Countdown, the show Countdown, where they scramble up the letters. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they do that. So they're like, this is a classic Doctor Who director and his name's all scrambled up. And yeah, that was, it's so infuriating because you're looking at it and you're like, I, oh, I can see the name, but I can't quite get it. And then they tell you the answers and you literally kick yourself. So I could see one of them was Martha Jones was the answer, but I, I could see Martin. And, and once you get that in your head, I was like, Martin, it's mm-hmm. Martin, somebody. Um, oh, who could it be? And then they're like, Martha Jones. Oh, Martha. Oh, God. And, you know, <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, that's a real cool little thing that they've started doing but yeah we'll we'll get the next one we'll get together next and that'll be fun yeah nice one because we kicked ass a little bit the last one we didn't come first but we did pretty well yeah yeah, yeah. getting good at that getting yeah. good and no googling allowed of course of course of course <laughs> of course yeah. that would be outrageous yeah. um did you, i know you're up in the lake district is that do they film any doctor who up there is there any oh, doctor who um, film the yeti's been up there or was that somewhere else Oh, I'm not sure, buddy. Because um, obviously the no. first thing I do any whenever we go anywhere is check to see if they've filmed Doctor Who. <laughs> see mm. my partner's face drain with blood every day. I'll just check the Doctor Who location guide. See if it is. I don't sure. know is the honest answer. I don't know. They probably, over 50 years worth of they might have stuff, they've there. probably been up around there somewhere. I don't know. But yeah, yeah not sure, mate. Uh, but that's been us anyway for the week. Uh, Before we crack on with the show, if you're uh, feeling a little bit like, oh, there's nothing going on Doctor Who-wise, nothing going on at all, um, just don't worry. Don't worry. We've got you covered. Uh, Just make sure you subscribe to the show. You can do that by heading over to uh, the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. There are links to all of the various podcast apps and networks, or just search for us on whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on. Uh, We'd love to have you as, as a subscriber. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. Uh, we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Again, links to the webs- uh, links to those on the website. Come and uh, give us a like and a follow. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we also have a link to our free Discord server on there as well. So come and hang out and chat amongst yourselves and amongst us uh, about all sorts of Doctor Who stuff. Loads of discussion around Big Finish at the moment on there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Uh, remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube as well, The Geek's Handbag. Go and check out mm. loads of Adam's videos. Get yourself comfy. Lots of cool geekery over there. I so, just downloaded that new software that you recommended. Oh, any good? <laughs> I'm so bad with technology. Oh, no. It is oh, good, no. but I'm so bad with technology. Oh, Come no. back, movie maker. It was so easy. I think you need to set up a petition or something. I was watching all it. these tutorial videos on YouTube. I was like, oh, but no, it's <laughs> good. So I might, I might even be able to make some new vids soon. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Once you've done a couple, you'll be flying around. Oh, you? yeah. 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 <laughs> he says that. Oh, yeah. 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 Next year, relaunch. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we've got no merch this week, but for the first time in what feels like ages, 
we're going to land the TARDIS and, and do a bit of news. Let's, let's do that. Right, digital trading card games are a thing, apparently. Yeah. So I remember, remember years ago, years and years and years ago, when we were nippers, uh, the, <laughs> the in thing, uh, I imagine it still is a little bit today in certain circles, but when we were nippers, the thing to do was to collect trading cards. And there was loads of these things around. There was like, I don't know, Transformers, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there was all sorts of different things. And um, and you collected cards and you traded between your mates and, and all that stuff. Uh, Doctor Who is going to get this treatment, but in a slightly different twist, it's going to be a digital-only thing. So BBC Studios have partnered with Reality Gaming Group. They've created a brand-new digital trading card game that's coming out later this year. We don't know exactly when, uh, but it's coming later this year. So the um, this will enable fans to collect and trade digital versions of their favourite characters for the first time before adventuring through the Doctor Who worlds apart game as the Doctor, battling friends in turn-based contests. So anyone that's not familiar with that, turn-based is like, I lay this car down and its power level is 15, and then someone else is like, well, my power level 16, so I'll have your card, thank you very much. Like that kind of thing, I think. Like, I, I like, I've got the Pating, the most deadly creature in the world, you've got the Weeping Angel, I win. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. I think anyway. Uh, so, uh, as each player's uh, each player collects these different cards, uh, here's the sort of twist on it. This is like the digital sort of technology side of things. Um, as each player collects the cards, they will be tokenized into a non fungible token. Non fungible token is a is a is a decent word, and it's protected on the blockchain, which means there can be no duplicates nobody arguing about who owns what card um because it's locked to that thing and uh, uh so each player will own unique digital um cards and collectible items uh, and they can be used in the game or they can be you can trade with other players and stuff like that so i think basically what it is anyone that's heard of blockchain before that's mainly come from like the finance world uh, you might have heard of people trading on blockchain um uh, collecting like digital, uh, not collecting, but saving digital currencies, Bitcoin, that kind of thing. So the the, the blockchain thing enables people to say, right, I've got this card and it's unique to me because when I registered that card, I got a special token that all sort of runs in the background. These people are going to run all this stuff and nobody can say, actually, you stole my card because actually, no, you know, I've got the token. Uh, this is my card. So it's all like, uh, legit if you like so you can't have people saying he stole my card he's accidentally downloaded my card or he somehow copied my card none of that's going to happen uh, so what they're going to do uh, along with the physical trading cards which is something that was cool back in the day you used to chase those kind of exclusive rare cards they normally had like a gold sort of glittery background to it or a silver yeah. one they were like the ones to get they're going to do that as well so they're going to be um uh, there's going to be uh, rare cards that you're going to try and chase and um, and collect. Uh, and they're going to do limited edition packs, which has got five digital cards. They'll be available from October this year. Uh, and uh, once the limited edition ones have sold out, uh, you won't be able to purchase them again. Once they're gone, 
they're gone. The only way that you'll be able to get them in the future after that is to trade with other players. So it sounds quite interesting. Uh, and there's a bit of blurb from this. So the, the founder of Reality Group Gaming, Tony Pierce, says, uh, we are tremendously excited to be working with BBC Studios to bring Dr. Hugh... Dr. Hugh? Who's Dr. Ooh, Dr. Hugh? Dr. Hugh? Dr. Hugh. To bring Dr. Who's huge global community and exciting new digital experience based on a pastime we all know and love, trading cards. The cards used in Doctor Who Worlds Apart are both functional and collectible, so fans can actually own a piece of the game while they play. And then the licensing manager for gaming and interactive at BBC Studios, John Kavanagh, says, This is what BBC Studios does so well, exploring new technologies and bringing our most iconic brand to an era of game, to an area of gaming, uh, of the gaming industry, which we're sure will engage and thrill fans. So there we go. I think it sounds awful. <laughs> you know, you know, I hate digital. <laughs> I think it sounds. Awful. Do you know what, mate? Um, when I when I was reading this story this morning before we got the show <laughs> together, I thought to myself, "This probably sounds like Adam's worst it idea is. of a game." Because anyone that knows Adam well <laughs> will know that if there's a chance to get his hands on something physical, he will yes. do that every time. Yeah. So we've had this with Big Finish over the years and just various things, comics, books, whatever. Adam will always get the physical stuff. So the the, the idea that this is a digital only sort of trading game is just, I can see him now. I can see him. He's turned I, a very pale color. Yeah, it's not for me at all. I hate <laughs> digital. I, I don't like, that's what I was on about with the editing software. I just don't like anything like this um it's just you know like you said back in the day me and you you'd be we'd be kids outside in the sunshine playing with our collector's cars now kids are just going to be staring at their blimmin screens even more than they do already <laughs> talking about cars not even interacting just talking to each other through a fight i just it's not it is i know i'm a dinosaur i like my physical stuff this doesn't appeal to <laughs> me at all but yeah. Uh, yeah i did as soon as i read it my face is just draining at every line of the blurb about it i was just like oh no thank you yeah. but i know the kids will love it and i'm not, i'm of my era so i'll stay where i am i'm quite happy surrounded by all my clutter so that i can't get out the house but you kids go and enjoy your tablets with your <laughs> digital trading cards and yeah yeah i might give yeah. this a go just for the crack i know you love, i was gonna what, say because yeah. you're 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 a bit more with it than i am you you you, you download a lot of stuff don't you you know how to use computers. Yeah, I might give this a go just to see yeah. what it's like. Whether I'll dive into it a lot, I'm not sure, but I'll give it a I'll dip my toe in the water. See what's give going on. Yeah. yeah, give it a whirl. Right, onto some fan. God, I actually didn't even mean to do that. I swear on my life, I did not even mean to do that. I was going to say onto <laughs> some fantastic news, but it really is um, <laughs> something I don't think we ever thought we'd see. Uh, Christopher Eccleston is returning to the role of Doctor Who after 15 years since he did that series one. Unbelievable. Uh, and he's, he's going to be doing some big finish. Um, they've managed to somehow lure him into the big finish studios to record 12 full cast audio adventures. Uh, they're going to be released across four box sets uh, from May 2021. And uh, Christopher Eccleston himself said... After 15 years, it will be exciting to revisit the Ninth Doctor's world, bringing back to life a character I love playing. So that's all mm. he said, just mm. that. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, like we said earlier in the podcast, I think you were the same as me. I saw the tweets going out when I was at work the other day, just assumed it was a joke. 
<laughs> just assumed it was a, a late April fall, a lockdown <laughs> April fall. I was like, oh, of course he isn't. But it's true. Um, it, it's true. He's coming back. So I think this is very exciting. Um, I, I think Doctor Who fans seem to be absolutely overjoyed about this. I certainly am. I think because um, of the voice and everything that Chris brings with him. I mean, not only is was he great as the Doctor and he's a great actor, but he's got that voice, isn't he? He's just going to be so good on audio, um, I think. Rose. So, Rose. So, Are we going to have Rose? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's the thing, you see. Is this going to be set before? Where, where We don't know much about it because um, the chairman of Big Finish, Jason Hay-Ellery, he says, I first talked to Chris about returning to the role of the Doctor at Gallifrey One Convention in February this year. Chris said he was enjoying meeting the fans and was pleased that his Doctors was remembered so fondly. I'm so pleased that Christopher has decided to return to the role with us. And I'm excited to welcome him to the Big Finish family as we discover the new adventures of the Ninth Doctor. So it sounds like he's, um, you know, just Jason's just timed it right. He's gone up, caught him at the right moment and managed to get him involved. And I mean, the thing is, Chris said ages ago he'd never do conventions and now he's doing them and he's loving it. He's been asked many times by fans at signings if he'll do Big Finish. He's always said no. He's always been very adamant about that. And he's doing it. So does he Does he just like to keep us on our toes? Or does he genuinely think, no, I'm not doing that, but something changes his mind? We don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. Because he is a bit of an enigma, Chris. I mean, I, when I read his book, it was fascinating to get an insight into him as a person. Um but it's hard for me to get inside his head because, as I said, he was very adamant about not doing these things. Now he's doing them and, you know, he sort of slowly seems to just be coming round. And he's always said he loved playing the Night Doctor. Um, but it's sort of, I don't know, it's hard to believe because he distanced himself so, for so long from it. Um, but, you know, it does seem that he genuinely did love playing the part. Maybe he just was unhappy with so much back in the day that it's taken him this long to sort of come full circle, if you like. Mm. But it does seem to be really getting back into sort of the Doctor Who thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Slowly, but surely. Well, where the bloody hell was Jason? Back during the 50th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know the moth tried all he could. The moth plied Chris with wine and tried to charm him, and it just all went... All it needed know. was Jason to turn up. Yeah. So, Chris, stop messing about. Come on. <laughs> Uh, this is amazing. We can't understate this, dude. This is like is amazing. amazing news. This is big news as well for Doctor Who because on two levels, really. The first one, it, it just shows just how much gra- like how much weight and gravity Big Finish has got in the world of Doctor Who. It's, it is you know? amazing, actually. They really have come in. I mean, they've always been into their own, you know, mm-hmm. they've always been great, but they really have stepped it up big time. Since they got that new series license and stuff, they've... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've just run with it. I mean, they are, in, in, in a way, they're becoming bigger than the TV show, aren't they? In terms of the, the universe that they have created with all the classic Doctors and, you know, all, all the spin-offs that they do, you know, Jago and the River Song, and Units, you know, they, they, their Doctor Who world at the minute, it, in some ways, is bigger than the TV show, isn't it? It's just yeah. they have just become huge. And it's quality stuff as well. It's not just like this little... Yeah, they do a bit of Doctor Who. It's a, they really are quite special, I think, Big Finish. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, mate. Yeah, they're, uh, well, for a number of years now, they've just absolutely nailed pretty much, you know, all all the Doctors that they've had 
in to do these various series and runs or just individual things. And I think the momentum started a, a few years back when they got David Tennant on yeah. to, for him, you know, so when, when Tennant comes, I mean, Tennant's always been, he's always embraced the fandom and the community anyway, but when you get someone like him in for big finish, it's like, come on, it's only going to be a matter of time before, um, uh, Matt Smith jumps on board and stuff like that. And then, so I think in some respects it's like, well, you know, it's better late than never kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you kind of think, well, there's probably been, nobody can be inside Chris's head. You know, like you said, a lot of, he's always said back in the early days, anyway, shortly after leaving Doctor Who, he always said that, he just had a bad experience with the producers on the show. He didn't name anybody at that time. He just said, my views on the character and the role and the show differed very much from the producers and we just didn't see eye to eye, so I'm gone. And then when he was quizzed about coming back and doing all these fan conventions and engaging with fans, he just wouldn't have it. It was just, I just don't want anything to do with it. I love doing it at the time. I love the character. But as far as the show goes in general, I'm just done sort of thing. So, uh so over the years, like you said, he always said he'd never do conventions and lo and behold, he turns up at LFCC and just <laughs> tears the roof off and it's all great. And now he's back as the doctor. So I can, I, I'm not sure if this is going to be like a stepping stone to something more on TV, possibly um, thinking about the 60th at some point, yeah, if they're going to do a multi-doctor story because he might get the bug for it again if he starts playing the role. Because let's be honest, although he's started to embrace fandom a little bit more over the last year or so, he's still not committed to doing anything in terms of performing as the Doctor in any shape or form. So if I'm not sure if they've started recording already because these are not out until, I think it's May next year. That's right, yeah. So I'm not sure if they've started recording these or if they're going to shortly, but if he gets the bug, if he's like, actually, yeah, this is amazing. Like, I've missed playing the character. I want to do more. Maybe, I don't know if um, old uh, Chibbers is going to still be running the show for the 60th, but whoever it is, if they can butter him up a little bit, like, come on, Chris, let's keep the momentum going. You've embraced fandom. You're now on big finish. (laughs) The logical next step is to come back to do the, you know, on screen. So who who knows? But overall, it's such an amazing thing for him to come back because you and I are huge fans of his Doctor and his one series that he did, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it holds a... It, it holds a very special place in a lot of people's hearts because he was the guy, you know, along with RTD and, and Billy Piper, he was the guy that, that, that brought it, you know, all back for, for a long, you know, long time fans embraced him immediately. It felt like mm. new people to the show like me who had not seen, you know, hardly seen any Doctor Who before that point. It was amazing to watch, you know, as a newer sort of sort of viewer so he's i think he's liked and respected by a lot of who fans a lot of people so let's hope and i'm sure this is going to be fine but let's hope big finish just really they really sort of uh you know bring their a game for his stories because if it does well and he likes doing it i think uh we could see we could see a lot more of him as the doctor moving forward so i'm assuming i mean i'm that's why i'm hoping that the scripts are good because he's quite He's not fussy, but you know what I mean. He, 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 I don't think if he didn't, if he read the scripts and just thought, oh no, I mean, I think that was the thing with the fiftieth. Apparently, he was shown a little excerpt, just 
decided, no, that's not for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's quite, and when you read his book, you know, he says in the book that he, he's quite fussy with what he does and doesn't do. If, he, if a script doesn't grab him, He's just not, and he, say, he does say the one thing he regrets is the Marvel, I think. He said, you know, he said every actor sells their soul and does something they regret <laughs> doing. I think that was the one he did regret doing. But he must have looked at these big finished scripts and seen something in them he likes. Um, we don't know what direction they're going to take the Ninth Doctor down in these audios, but there must have been something in it that he thought, and I, I'm guessing, I'm just assuming it, because there might be something different, you know. They said, right, we want to do this with the Ninth Doctor, we want to explore this side of him there must have been something to grab him i think Mm -hmm. because he wouldn't have just he's so sort of choosy about what he does and doesn't do isn't he yeah yeah. i don't think if they'd have just put any old script right me i just don't think he would have gone for it so something must have hooked him back um and i don't think as a couple of cynical people have said it's the money i don't i honestly don't think it is i don't think chris is hard up for a few quid so i don't think it's the money I'd, I'd like to think not anyway i mean obviously there's that element he's gonna but big finish is still quite a small company in terms of what they'll be able to pay him they're not going to be able to give him like marvel oh, no, wages no, are they no. so it, i don't think it's the money i'd like to think there's something he saw in the stories that he thought yeah i want to i want to give this a go i really want to do that so i have got high hopes um like you said it's not out to next year they're going to be doing four CD sets and four limited edition vinyls. Um, see, this is a bit heartbreaking. I can't, normally I, I pre-order sort of the month before with Big Finish because they, you know, they take the money straight away. I certainly can't afford to pre-order these um, at the moment. I just can't afford it. But mm. the vinyls are limited um, and I would love to get them. But obviously I'll be getting the CD, the physical. <laughs> obviously I'll be getting the physical sets. But I would love to get the vinyls. If they've still got them by the time I can afford them, um, I'll definitely get the vinyls for these as well because I imagine the artwork will be yeah. beautiful. But uh, are you are you good digital for you or are you going to get any physical for these, the vinyls tempting you? Um, well, I'm, I'm tempted by the vinyls, I'll be honest, because yeah. these these don't sound like the typical sets that you pick up in Sainsbury's or Asda for nineteen ninety nine. Uh, no. These actually are um, triple LP gatefolded. And uh, and uh, you'll get the download version with them. So if you pick yes. up the vinyl, you get the download version for free. And you also get access to a, um, a behind-the-scenes interviews as bonus content, which you don't get on the, the digital version. So... I'm tempted mm. by this dude, um, but there's all all of the vinyl editions are limited to a thousand copies, yeah. so that sounds like it's a lot. But the popularity of of of, of Eccleston worldwide, I don't think they're going to be around for very long. So, no, um, that's what I worried about. The mm. the price point is not too bad. I mean, the vinyls are thirty five ninety nine, um, which is a lot of money. But it, big finish when I've done previous vinyls, they've been around the eighty to ninety pounds, haven't they? They've exactly. Like, they've so I think they've got the price point about right. It is a little bit more than your average, you know, you know, like you said, the ones that we get in Sainsbury's and stuff that they do for like 20 quid when they do exclusives. A little bit more, but like you said, you're getting, is it three vinyls, did you say? Uh, no, it's, um, I'm not sure how many discs you get, but it's just, uh, it's a triple. So it's like it folds out, you know, so I assume it's going to be two LPs, it's, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh no, I've just seen it. No, it's three LP. I've just seen oh, three, it on the. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that is not bad actually. So five. Yeah, I've just seen it on the. I'm on the website now. 
Um, so that's not bad. I know mm. it's a lot of money, but I think, as I said, the artwork's bound to be great. Um, they're going to be nice things to have. So, yeah, I definitely want to dip into the vinyls when I can, can afford it. Maybe Christmas. I'll ask Santa. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> See yeah. if I've been good this year. Yeah. No chance. Yeah, but it does sound um, pretty good. So if you can order the, um, uh, as Adam said, you can pre-order the vinyl and the digital editions at the moment. The vinyls are 35 quid. The digital editions are 20 quid. Uh, but you'll also be able to order um, the CD versions as well. I think, can you can you order CD versions? Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, they're like 25 or oh, I'm not yeah, sure. Uh, Four-disc collector's edition box sets. Um, so you'll be able to get those as well. But anyways... You can pre-order them now. Head over to the Big Finish website. You'll see a, a, a big banner there for the Night Doctor. Uh, but this is overall, dude, great news. Great news that he's back. Uh, and we'll see what these stories are like. Pretty sure going on Big Finish's track record, they're going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to it. I know it sounds so far away. But um, as we all know, this, it comes around very quickly. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it to the, the day these get released. I think it'll be a really good day for fandom, won't it? When Imagine everyone, oh, it's out. You know what I mean? <laughs> when they suddenly announce, right, it's out. It's going to be um, good times. Good times to come next year. Yeah, good times indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, we can talk about Chris Eccleston all day, I think. But we're going to leave it good. there. You're going to leave it there. And uh, we're going to move on to review time. What we got, dude? Yeah, crawl, crawl, crawl. So um, <laughs> this is story five, is it? Where yeah. are we? Five, five. Yeah. In, the, in the key to time season. The power of crawl. This must be one of the moons of Delta Magna. I'm getting something very odd on the scanner, sir. There's movement underneath the bagu. Enhanced by surface vibrations. It must be nearly a mile across. The central mass is a quarter of a mile in diameter, by about 140 feet high. Romana? Killing this creature has got to be our first priority. Crawl, crawl, crawl. In time, lads. Come on. Come on. <laughs> the power of How can you get crawl. a drumbeat out of time? I just, oh. Anyway. The power of crawl. It was first broadcast back on the 23rd of December. So Christmas Eve Eve back in 1978. And wow. finished up in the middle of January. It was written by Robert Holmes. It was directed by Norman Stewart. Stars Tom Baker and Mary Tam, as we've seen throughout the previous um, stories in the key to time, uh, about half a dozen supporting cast members. And the story for this one is the Doctor and Romana arrive on the marsh moon of Delta Magna, uh, looking for the fifth segment. And um, while they're there, they get caught up in the conflict between the natives, the Swampies, and the scientific or engineering crew on a on a nearby um, chemical refinery plant. Uh, the presence of a, a kind of a rogue gun runner uh, sort of complicates everything. And um, uh, it will sort of culminates with the Swampies trying to awaken Kroll, uh, the giant god, or well, their god that lives 
underneath the swamps on the planet. The Power of Kroll, dude. We're almost there. Part five. What did you think? Part five, yeah. Uh, well, th- this is the story, I think, um, when we... S- when we first talked about doing the key to time, I thought, oh, it's, I thought it's, it's all good till we get to crawl. And then I remembered, I just remember this story being so dull uh, the last time I watched it. Um, so I wasn't looking forward to this one at all. Um, I remember it being really drab in terms of the sets and things and the cast being rubbish and stuff. Uh, anyway, I've given it another watch. I uh, watched it two episodes uh, a night. So I watched them and broke it up a little bit. Um, it's better than I remember but it's not particularly great. So there, there are some nice bits now. I mean, I, I'd forgotten how good the location stuff is. I like, loved all that. So I actually quite enjoyed the first part. And I was beginning to think, after part one, and even part two to an extent, I thought, hmm, this is, not, this is nowhere near as bad as I, I remember it being. You know, it's, it's, it's going along quite nicely. Then we got to three, and it started to drift off a bit, and then it sort of gradually wrapped up with a pretty limp conclusion in episode four so it's yeah it's not bad but it's it's not good it's one of those very much middle of the road stories um it's written by robert holmes and uh, you know normally he's considered to be a a great writer of doctor who he's done some absolutely fantastic stories um and also it stars the brilliant philip maddock Mm -hmm. um giving he's normally brilliant i mean in morbius you know brain of morbius solon he gives a superb performance Brilliant. opposite yeah. tom baker mm-hmm. he is so he looks so bored in this story i almost wanted to sh- reach through the screen and shake him and say philip for goodness sake put some effort in it he, he's really drab in this um and it's a shame because i just really like him as an actor and i know that there was a mix-up so apparently he thought he was playing a totally different part he thought he was playing uh thorn i think the other guy He's a bit got a bit more of a beefier part, and it wasn't until Philip turned up to rehearsals that he realised there'd been a terrible mix-up, and he was actually playing uh, what's the character's name, Fenner, and apparently he was quite put out by that. He right. was like, "Well, you know, I think he thought he was going to be playing more of a lead," and I don't know if that has anything to do with why he's so subdued in this. But <laughs> Philip Maddock is normally such a presence on screen, but he spends most of this leaning on a computer desk with his head. You know, one hand in his head, sort of looking bored at a monitor. He just really looks like he doesn't want to be in it. And I think it's such a shame because he's, um, he's normally so good. You know, I love him in the Cushy movies as well. He's just normally such a good actor. But um, he lets the side down for me big time in this, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, Tom's yeah. still trying to give it some fun. You know, he, he brings some fun to the story. And obviously we get Kroll, uh, this creature. Uh, <laughs> So that's quite interesting. So there are bits of it I like, but yeah, it's a bit middle of the road for me, this one. Not not great, but watchable. Very very watchable, but not not a particularly great story from, from Robert Holmes, this one. Mm. Yeah, very middle of the road. What, what about yourself? Yeah, I think just like Robert Holmes, I'm just bored of, the, I'm bored of this story. Was he bored of it as well? Yeah, this was the last one he did. He buggered off. And didn't come back for five years. He came back and did the Caves of Androzani in five years. But oh right. But even Robert Holmes was like, uh, I can just see him clearly in my mind, just typing away, thinking, "I'm about to fall asleep again. <laughs> I'm only on page six, and I'm about to fall asleep. I really hope the director can do something with this because I'm done." 
Well, oh, yeah, that's done. that's the thing. The director doesn't really do anything <laughs> no. with it either. <laughs> no, so I'm, yeah, uh, dude. This is the, the for me. I think I agree with you. I think this is like the low point for the key to time. Mm-hmm. It's just incredibly boring, like yeah. really boring. Um, mainly because it's just a rinse and repeat thing. Yeah, that is the problem, isn't it? It just goes round and round in circles. Yeah, the yeah. same thing. It's like the Swampies are doing something. I don't know. Are these guys have auditioned, you know, trying to get Bill Bixby out of a job? I don't know. <laughs> so they've they're running around the swamp, not really doing much. No. Then we cut back to the refinery. We got those the dudes just sitting there looking bored out of their minds, looking at these scanners, having the same conversation. Oh, yeah. there's something on the scanner. Oh, that's unusual. Yes, more unusual than the time we mentioned it two minutes ago. Oh, yes, it is more unusual, isn't it? It's a different shape. Yes, back to the Swampies. Oh, what are we going to do today? Let's run around and try and find Kroll. Awesome. Back to the refinery. There's something on the scanner. That looks unusual. And then, you know, so thank God that the Doctor and uh, and Romana are kind of doing a little bit. I mean, Tom Baker's kind of carrying this one to be honest he's you know and they do some stuff then back to the swampies oh the the dry foots are going to attack oh no back to the refinery there's something on the scanner it's like for god's (laughs) sake can we just not have like can we not have the conversation centered around the bloody scanners you know it's just I've, I've, that's the I've, thing it does it that's what i mean the first episode <laughs> you think oh okay yeah this is quite good we've got these swampies and the location and these guys on a base and you say oh that's all right the second one they kind of like you said they just sort of do the same thing and then by episode three and four they are literally just doing it over that's, that's kind of what i was getting at as well I, that's why i quite like the first episode because it sets it up but then it doesn't progress anywhere at all does it really i mean kroll mm. makes they almost do the thing with Kroll twice. So they do a sort of, he finally comes out, I think it's episode two, isn't it? We see Kroll. It's like, oh, there's Kroll. Mm-hmm. And then he goes down back in the sea. And then they do the same reveal in episode four. And you think, well, we, yeah, but we, it's not, you know, we've already done that. Done we've already bit. seen yeah. Kroll when he's come out and had a tantrum. And so it's all, yeah, it does. It, it feels like there was not enough story for four. I mean, it, it probably mm. could have just about got a three part out of it. But, but yeah, it does. It just goes round in circles. I, I absolutely agree with you. It just doesn't yeah. go anywhere, really. Um, yeah, they could have, they could have had a really cool uh, thing happening with. Um, you have to excuse me, listeners. Once again, I'm going to be terrible with names for this. But who was Green like, Man Number Three? Yeah. <laughs> who was the dude that was with the Swampies? He apparently was going to give them a load of weapons and they were going to oh, use those. Oh, that's um, Roan Dutt. It took me a long time to work out what they were saying. Ron Dutt, I think his name, oh, character yeah. name. Glyn Owen, yeah. Ron Dutt, yeah. You're on about the gun runner, yeah? That's it, yeah, Glyn Owen. Yeah, yeah. They could have done something very cool with his character. Yeah. So he could have, he was like the, well, just as the name suggests, like the Doctor even calls him a rogue. You a know, bit dodgy, like, a, bit, a little bit ooh, a little yeah, bit ooh, yeah. a little bit shifty, a little bit crafty. Yeah. He could have been like a, like um, uh, uh, who's the who's the character in the McCoy um, stories? He's in two different stories. He's a bit of a lad, a bit of a schemer. Glitz, Gl- yeah, glitz. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. They they could have had him do that kind of thing, where he's a bit of a scammer. Mm. You know, at one point he's on side with the Swampies and he's doing his business. Then he sort of defects over to the other di- the other dudes in the refinery. 
play them off of each other a little bit just because he wants the money. He's there to sell weapons, basically. So, um, you know, but he ended up just being a bit of a wet lettuce. He just gets captured with the Swampies and then tries to... I think they try to give him a, a few lines that sound a bit kind of crafty. Like, you know, he's a bit shifty, this one, but it kind of works for a for a scene, but then nothing really happens. I'm not, I can't even remember what happens to him. What happens to him? Well, he, he, he this is actually, I made a note with this because I thought it was, again, this is a bit lazy on, on Robert Holmes's part. He just um, obviously gets bored of the characters, can't think what to do with him. So while, while the Doctor, Romana and him are escaping, he, he just dies. He gets caught by Kroll and whisked away. Oh, and the doctor right. just goes, yeah. well, I told him not to, not to run off or something. Oh, that's right. And then right. he's yeah. forgotten about yeah. And I thought, yeah. gosh, talk about just like, it's like, right, oh, I need to get this guy out of the way. Now, I know, Kroll, Kroll kills him. He's gone. That's but right. even the doctor doesn't seem to care. Like, not the doctor just not goes, oh, I told him not to run off. Uh, right. Now, we need to get in that boat. And I thought, that's quite callous of the doctor, really. But that's more down to the script, isn't it? Robert Holmes just didn't really give, didn't care about that character at all. We just shoot you know puts him under the carpet it's yeah. a shame actually because again he's a good actor glenn glenn owen the, the person who plays him Blake. Good, good actor yes he is in blake seven yeah <laughs> um but um he could have really brought something to it if he'd had more be- meat on the bones um so i absolutely agree with you again it's a, a real waste of uh that character should have been built up because you don't really care about him at all like you're a bit you wonder what he's doing at the start don't you like he's a gun runner or what's he up to but you lose interest almost instantly yeah well completely yeah from that scene where the swampies capture him and tie him up because they realize that the weapons that he sold them are just not great anyway they don't really work yeah from that point on we should have had this kind of attachment like oh no how's he going to get out of this you know how 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 is this going to progress throughout the story it doesn't really. He just gets, they get put in the stretching machine thing. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um, and then that's pretty much it. He has a couple of conversations with Romana and the Doctor in that bit. And then when they're escaping and they're going off through the swamp, like you said, the tentacle comes out, grabs him. And the Doctor's like, anyway, we're on our way to, and he's just gone. Yeah, it's like gone. He doesn't care so. at all, does he? Yeah. Even the Doctor doesn't care. So, yeah, a real just waste of a character that um yeah. i do quite like this the the stretcher scene um at first i was that was where i started to drift off i was like oh they've been captured it's this is getting boring but what saves it and i think this comes back to what you said about tom carrying this story is he keeps going on banging on about the window doesn't he? he's <laughs> like oh where, 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 you know who put that window in and romana's like what are you on about and then he we cut to the scene later where he does the high-pitched scream to smash it I found all that quite fun and interesting. And I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting way for them to escape. <laughs> like, you know, the Doctor didn't get his Sonic out and manage to free himself like they would now. He, d- you know, does this weird high-pitched scream that smashes the window, yeah, uh, enabling the rain to soak the plants or whatever so they can break through. It's, it's just an interest, something different, you know. Um, so I will give Robert Holmes that. I did like that just idea. I thought that worked quite nicely. Yeah. Uh, but that, again, those scenes like with Tom, you know, when he's saying about the guy with the narrow little eyes and all that, you know, <laughs> it's just little moments like that that just about kept me, you know, yeah, in, yeah. involved in the story, if you like. Fun moments like that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So I think absolutely. I said the, the main thing that I've got in my notes 
I typed as like Tom Baker carrying story, literally from start to finish. Mm. And uh, unfortunately for Mary Tam, she doesn't really get to do much in this one because we've been really impressed with her character throughout the previous four stories because she's had this very um, uh, independent nature about her, very confident and stands up to the doctor pretty much every time. She doesn't take any nonsense. But in this one, she kind of defaults back to kind of typical doctor companion in this a little bit. She just very much a follow behind. And uh, and then there's none of that kind of uh, banter that we've had in the past few stories. Like we've said, oh, it's great the way that Tom's just kind of looking out the side of his eyes, quite annoyed because she's always over his shoulder. Because he knows that she's got his number. She knows that. You know, he's not always right and that kind of thing. We don't really see any of that in this one. We don't really see any. She just doesn't really do or she doesn't take charge of anything. She doesn't have like those little sort of submissions that she goes off and accomplishes that we've seen in a previous story. So, uh, again, it's like uh, uh, there are some good things about it. We'll come on to a couple of good things. But overall, I'm sorry, listeners, but yeah, this is just. It's the weakest one it's, so far. It's definitely the definitely weakest, the weakest one, yeah. story. Yeah, um, I agree about Romana. It is a shame, actually, because we've been saying how much we've enjoyed Mary Tam. She's been really good um, so far. Uh, and she's there's nothing wrong with her in it. She just doesn't get anything to do, apart from uh, sort of at the start when she gets tied up and you think, oh, Romana's in a bit of danger. And I did like the conclusion to that cliffhanger. So you think, you see the claws coming up. You think that's Kroll, that creature. It turns oh, yeah. out to be a guy in a suit. Mm. I, again, it was just a nice little unexpected. Oh, that's interesting. Um, went nowhere, of course, but um, but that was quite good. But apart from that, really, she doesn't get anything to do at all. Um, I think the only sort of nice moment between her and Tom that comes to mind is in the stretcher when she's just telling him off, like, "Well, what are you banging on about the window for?" and all that. That was quite nice. But otherwise, yeah, she gets very little to do. Very little to do in this. It's a shame. Yeah. 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 What did yeah. you think about uh, the fact we get to see K9 out of his tin costume? <laughs> so obviously John, John, John Leeson's in this doing his best concentration acting. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's nice to see John in the show as a character because you sort of think, oh, that's K9, who we don't see, do we? we don't, I think we might hear him at the start. We don't see K9 at all, do we? Um, no, we don't. No, no well, there's no yeah. way he would have got through those the marsh vines at all. Uh, but we get to see John Leeson, the actor who voices him. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen John Leeson in in any other TV show. I mean, I know he did other work, but um, but yeah, what did you think? It's nice to see him out of the. You know, it was nice to see him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's giving an okay performance, but it is very amateurish as well, isn't it? I mean, he's just doing that sort of that face that you pull when you're trying to act really intense i'm staring at the screen i'm you know like you said he does that's all he really does until he gets shot of course do you know what it's a shame as well for that character because that's oh god (laughs) this is one of the characters i had in my notes that i just really didn't like watching because uh, on one on one hand yeah it's great to see john leeson like in the flesh you know as an actor not just a voice actor it is great obviously but the character is it Dagene or Dagene. Um, uh, I think it's Dagene. Dagene, yeah. Um, 
He just had the same expression on his face the whole time. I know. Yeah. Uh, you can tell he's not an experienced oh, actor, I'm afraid. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if this is if it was John Leeson doing this or whether um or whether it was Norman Stewart saying, Look, you're the concerned member of the crew. Right? We've got the we've got the the other crew members who we've got this very um sort of loud opinionated sort of controlling person he's like the dude at the top thorn thorn yep we've got let's not even talk about fenner he's going to be asleep for most of it uh, <laughs> so you're like uh, we got the other guy as well is it harg he's just like oh yeah he don't last yeah him, he's, does he? he's mr expendable uh so you're the guy that's like you're concerned about everything so you're the guy that's got the science degree you're the one that's like you know, you have to be the voice of reason to like these the the crazy thorn dude. So I don't know if it was a case of that or not, but he's just got the same expression on his face. It's like every time you see him, he's got this. It's like a combination of confusion and worry. Yeah, all, all the time he's kind of staring at the at the the monitors, the screens, and he's like, "Well, oh, that wasn't there this morning. Whatever, oh, no." And then, like, someone, someone comes in and, like, oh, yeah, that's unusual. You know, back to the rinse and repeat thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's unusual. How the bloody hell has that been? How long has that been there? We've not noticed it. And then we're back to John Leeson, and he's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, the best God bit of acting Lord. that we get. <laughs> <laughs> the best bit of acting we get from him is when he gets shot. He does actually look quite surprised. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I know. I, I mean, I know he has. When I say not an experienced actor, I know people be shouting, saying, oh, he has done lots of things. I know he has, but he does, in this, he just does that same expression throughout the whole story. He did, I mean, you know, probably not his fault. There's not a lot for him to work mm. with in the script. I'll give you that. But um, it just reminds me of, you know, when you're in a school play and you're trying really hard to do your best acting, but you've just ended <laughs> up pulling that same worried expression it just it, i don't know it just reminds me of just very amateur yeah, sort the, of performance the um, best I line we like... had sorry the best line we had from him he wasn't even on the screen so there's a bit where the other dudes are in there and they're like right get him out of bed because something's going on because yeah. we've seen something unusual on the scanner surprise surprise yeah. so they're like on the radio oi get out here we need you and then he's like really snappy he's like now or something what now and that's it. That's like the best bit of acting. He's not even on screen. It's like, yeah. come on, dude. I know that you do your best acting off screen anyway as K9, but and then he comes in, he's just zipping his thing back up, sits down in the chair, and he's like, Oh no. Back here we are again. Sorry. Yeah. Oh man. I, I do like Thorne. I do like Thorne. I, I think he's the only one. I mean he's not again, he's not great, but he's the best of a bad bunch, isn't he? At least Neil McCarthy is yeah. trying to bring something to the table. I mean, he's not brilliant, but he is, he's more interesting than those two. And he, when he's going a bit doolally at the end and shooting people, he's like, well, I warned him. You saw me warn him. He, there is a performance there, at least. So I, I will say um, he did bring something to this. He, he, he did manage to wake me up a couple of times. Oh, Thorne's back in the room. He's going to kick some backside now you know he, he was at least giving a good performance i think neil mccarthy yeah and yeah. so on you know i think you can see why philip maddock was um perhaps a bit annoyed that he wasn't playing that part because you can imagine philip maddock doing all the things that thorn does all the sort you know losing the plot 
shooting uh, De Geen. You know, you can imagine Philip Maddock playing that part. So the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just looking at Philip, looking all miserable, thinking, that should be me. That should be me doing that. That should be me shooting him in the back. Because you can see him Mm -hmm. playing that part. The simple won't do. (laughs) So you see, so I think Neil McCarthy probably is, is the better of the three. I like, I quite liked him in this. Yeah. Well, that's because the, first of all, he's got an agenda. Basically, he's not, you can tell that he's not just there to farm the methane and all that stuff. You can tell that he's actually got a bit of a, he just doesn't like the inhabitants of the, of the moon, the swampies. He's got like a kind of personal agenda where he just wants to wipe them out. It's like, bosh, I just want them gone. Because at the beginning, there's one of the uh, swampies is a bit of a servanty uh, slave kind of thing, isn't he? Oh yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So and um, and Thorn, he's just really horrible to him, like all the like every interaction he has. And then I think the doctor quizzes him about it, and he's like, "No, they're not proper people. They're not, you know, all that kind of stuff." So it, his character actually had a bit of substance to him. He wasn't that's just, true. you know, he wasn't just there to do a job. He actually had this kind of this kind of hatred for the swampies that came through whenever he was talking about them. And then obviously he ends up killing Hog. He sort of murders him in front of, um, of uh, Fenner. And even, oh, come on, dude. This is another example you said earlier about Philip Maddock. When he shoots him, Philip Maddock's like, oh, and then you shouldn't have done that. Well, I wanted to. And then the only little bit we see of Philip Maddock when he's like, I'm going to report you for murder. <laughs> and then as soon as he's had his little outcry, which lasts three seconds, he's back to his seat with his, ha- his head in his hand. He's like, anyway, I'm going to report you when I get back. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I'm so disappointed in Philip Maddock in this. I'm so disappointed in him. Because he, he, he's so, I love him in all the other, you know, like the, he's in the war games playing a really weird, sinister character and he's so good in Morbius. Um, it, yeah, he's so flat in this. Yeah. I, just, I, know, I know that he's sulking. I know he hasn't got the part he wanted, <laughs> but get over it. Yeah, he's like this. It's brilliant. He's like, you just killed that man. Got murder. <laughs> and then he has his little outcry, and then he's like, anyway, Back can report, can report you for that. <laughs> oh, crap. There's something on the scanner. Something unusual. Yeah, it's... Uh, I think, actually, they even do that scene twice, don't they? Yeah. He says that, they yeah, look at the scanner, and then doesn't he say, well... I saw you clearly shoot him. I'm thinking, they do do that, don't they? They do that scene twice. Everything yeah, yeah. is just repeats in this. Um, well, Thorne's got a crack in Tash, so he's good in that. You're right, he's got good... <laughs> he has got a bit of development to the character, so I think we're going to say he's, he's definitely one of the better ones in it. Um, what about the Swampies, then, these dudes? Yeah, is it Thorne that calls, says, shouts, Swampy Lover, yeah, or something? Yeah, Who's yeah. who shouts Swampy Lover? Because that cracks me up. I think that's Thorn. Uh, before we uh, get on to the Swampies, actually, yeah. one of the other dudes has a hilarious death on the refinery. You know, after Kroll has appeared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a bit where one of the um, one of the uh, big pipes blows out and the tentacle comes through. Yeah. And what you would do in that situation normally is you would you'd leg it, wouldn't you? We'd but what, be out there, but yeah. the guy's just like. He, I don't know, he's just standing there on a the spot, sort of flailing his arms. He's like, oh no, <laughs> it's coming towards me. I would run, but oh, it's my dramatic death scene. And then they all come running in and then you don't, 
you just yeah. you just see him getting sort of carried along the oh man it's a cliffhanger as well what it an odd cliffhanger a, a, a character that we <laughs> don't know don't care about being killed yeah it's just, it? and, the, and it's like what i i didn't get that at all yeah it's hilarious how the the tentacle sort of suddenly wraps around him yeah picks well, him up and carries him off down the pipe it's so funny <laughs> anyway yeah. the swampies yeah we had the delusional guy, didn't we? The guy who's leading them all, who thinks that Kroll actually is a god and that the blood sacrifice is needed and he can control Kroll if this happens and all mm. this jazz. Uh, he wasn't too bad. Um, it was quite frustrating, his constant um, denial and everything, which was completely intentional. So it was good that I felt frustrated with it because I thought, right, I'm actually being pulled into the story a little bit. Mm. Um, but the other... The other swampies, um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to say about those guys. Really, they were just kind of, f- kind of following these this dude's orders, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think the the lead guy again. I like the fact you could tell he was trying. He obviously took the part seriously under all that hmm. ridiculous makeup and stuff. So he, I think he he gave a fairly decent performance. Um, like you said, you kind of bought into the fact that he believed in all this stuff. So I liked that. Um, yeah, the other ones are totally forgettable, apart from maybe Swampy Slave. Um, but I think even that could have been built up a bit more because that's quite a horrible situation that they've got this poor old Swampy that they're just using as a slave and stuff. But it's not really explored at all, is it? But you saw, there's just one scene, really, I think when the Doctor's involved, where you feel a bit sorry for him, like you said, because Thorn is so vile towards him, isn't he? You sort yeah, of think, oh, that yeah. poor old Swampy. But doesn't yeah it doesn't really go anywhere mm. fortunately yeah so that guy um uh, ranquin i think his name is the swampy uh, played by john abenary uh, he was like you said i think he was kind of into it because uh even like See the, the leader one See, yeah, like the yeah. yeah he's got they've uh they've got those beanie hats on that have been frayed <laughs> at the edges and spray green yeah. and stuff and under under that stuff they're still um they're still uh, trying to do a decent performance because I think the guy at the beginning, I think his name was Mensch or Men- uh, Mensch, uh, the, the the slave swampy in the refinery, um, played by Terry Walsh. Where have we heard that name before? Oh, he's a stunt guy. Yeah, he does all. He does a lot of Tom Baker right. stunts. That's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, played by that dude. Uh, he he's. I think he's there sort of undercover because he's up on the balcony. He's got the flashlight, like doing the Morse code light signals and stuff he was not too bad i think he's trying to play it a little bit understated anyway because he's there as a mole sort of thing he's there to report back um so even though he does get treated like beep he uh (laughs) he sort of puts up with it and then you've got ranquin who's doing it the other swampies yeah they're just fairly just well they're just extras yeah just extras really they don't bring anything to it i was gonna say actually that base so they're on the it did strike me as in episode four i was thinking how are they meant to be getting to and from that blimmin' base so quickly? Are they, are they supposed to be getting there by boat? I mean, they seem to go from the marshland to being on the base to the marshland a bit. But yeah, and if it's, you, it's, it's like a refine, it's like a thing in the middle of the sea, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and if you look at the um, those miniature shots where you see the refinery and you, those waves are huge. Yeah, there's no way that they're in those little canoe or kayaks, or whatever that they go around the swamp in. It didn't match mm. up to me at all. That I just thought that didn't work. Um, like you said, you just—it's not feasible mm. going from that location to the, the model shot. It just wouldn't. How does that work? Yeah, very weird. Yeah. 
character, yeah. I didn't really think about it until part four, though. Yeah. Uh, um, sets. We had a bit of controversy on the sets and this, didn't we? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a name that some of you might know. Graham MacDonald at the BBC. The dude that was responsible for... I want to see every script that goes out. I want to do all this stuff. He's the guy that took out like you know, a couple of scenes because he felt it was inappropriate from other stories and all um. that lot. Anyway, he watched it and said um, the sets looked like crap. Well, they did. So <laughs> who who did the sets? Uh, Don Giles. Uh, he fired him and said that you're never going to work on Doctor Who again. Oh, really? These are like the worst that. thing I've ever seen. And wow. um and what's sort of rubbing salt in the wound a little bit is um, in part three, the Doctor uh, has a little dig at the Swampy. You know, the, the stretching scene in the, the execution chamber. Yeah. Uh, he says to the, uh, the Swampy that the decor's a bit crap and whoever was the architect should be fired. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> little so, joke there. Yeah, I mean, the sets are very very bland and that this this is the thing that happens with classic doctor who a lot and i still don't get it to this day is the color choices for the set accessories are always dreadful so they have these really nice um well i say really nice they have these kind of clean looking sets that are like silver controls and you know white floors and stuff it looks quite clean um but then they go and put all these bright red and bright yellow um trunking tubes everywhere and it just doesn't look very good at all. But the thing with this one, it's a bit of a strange one, the story, because the external location shots look pretty cool. Like, I don't, do, know, yeah. I don't know where they went to film the swampy stuff, but, um, you know, it is actually um, proper swamps. Where was it? The Maltings in Suffolk. Oh. Um, yeah, around that sort of... Um, so the proper swamps, everything looks pretty good. But then when you go to the sets, they just look like the execution chamber was just dark and drab, nothing going on in there. And then the refinery sets, it was literally, they could have just turned up at Shepherd's Bush and just filmed in the corridors. Yeah, it, yeah. it does look dreadful. I, I mean, the, the, that's the thing. I, I like the location stuff. I think that, to me, saves this story. If this was all studio like um, Rybos, I think I don't think I could make it through. It's, it's, it's so drab when we cut to studio. Um, the, yeah, the location stuff looks great. I mean, I love the TARDIS landing in, in the long... Uh, vines at the start it's just something about that that's really nice um but then yeah you cut to these dreadfully boring sets i mean the countdown as well the countdown clock is sort of cut cut out into this sort of metal in a really bad way it, mm -hmm. the production side of the interior scenes just is dreadful i can i'm not surprised that he got sacked i didn't know that by the way so it's quite interesting i'll um it's quite funny as well that they've got that line in the story because i hadn't picked up on that at all um, but it really does look drab and it doesn't help the fact, you know, cause the dialogue is so boring as well in those scenes when you've got boring dialogue, boring sets and, and dreadful costumes as well. They look ridiculous in the, in those costumes, don't they? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a, a very bad version of sort of space 1999 <laughs> outfits or something. But so yeah, yeah a couple with that, it really does make it hard work to watch. I think the studio things. It's yeah. just so boring visually and, and boring dialogue. It's just not a good combination. Yeah. And there was a bit where Tom, uh, sorry, the doctor's trying to break into this room and he gets what looks like a big Allen key out of his pocket and there's like a metal <laughs> thing up on the wall. 
I'm thinking that's going to come off the wall in a minute. As he's tur- as he's pretending to turn something inside it, it's all kind of wobbling around, and he's yeah. holding it in place while he's doing it. And you know, it's it's you all great. Expect the ladder to fall off, yeah. and the whole set's come down, don't you? Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, it, it's all great. Kind of th- those things that we love about classic Who, like you know the tiny budget. You know, just making stuff a bit of bit of a blue Peter moment, just put, cobbling stuff together. It's that start of it is great. You know, that's has its charm, but um there's just nothing else that rescues it from that feeling really there's no one scene that you think wow this set looks awesome or whatever mm. so yeah what do you think of the direction because you know we get a lot of so when kroll makes his appearance we get a lot of uh, split screen stuff going on mm. um, which gets criticized quite a lot but i think apart from one or two bits i think it works all right for the time I think there's a bit, I think one of the first sort of time we see Kral, I think it looks quite good. And then I think there's a bit later on where the, the heads of the actors is slightly cut off. You think, <laughs> oh, they haven't got that lined up right. But it, the model work and location, I don't know, it, it's mm, very it's... dated, but I, it, to me it didn't look too bad. I thought I kind, of, I kind of liked it in a sort of, like you said, that Doctor Who charm I think it has Yeah. when we see Kral. Or did you think it just looked terrible? Uh, I didn't think it was too bad for its time, mm. to be honest with you. And when you think about it, if you're going to do a giant monster that's like hundreds of feet tall and, you know, that big, you're really limited on how you can do that anyway. So I think the way they did it, where they just sort of cut the scenery off and it looked like it was sort of over the hill, mm. sort of in the distance kind of thing, I think is the only way they could have sort of sensibly done that without it. Because it, if they would try to sort of superimpose it into the landscape it just would have looked awful it probably would have looked really bad yeah no i yeah. think it works mm. it, it, it does the job yeah. but what do you think of the actual overall direction though from uh norman stewart not not a name that i particularly recognize but no um for me it's very mixed there are some shots which i think are really nice mostly the you know the location shots like some lovely bits of tom and um and Mary, you know, like with the blue sky behind him and the tree. I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's lined up nicely in the TARDIS landing. So there's a few bits where I think it looks great. But but then for the most part, I think it's just there's no flair to the direction at all. Mm, yeah. Bit of a mixed um, one. I don't know. It's just, it's just very static, I think. Yeah. yeah, uh, it's Very a- static, um, which is surprising because... Norman Stewart was a production assistant on some really good stories. So you'd have thought they would have picked up so he was on like the underwater menace, the invisible Ooh. enemy, the Daleks, the web planet, planet of the giants, you know, all, like day of the Daleks. He was, um, you know, he's been around, you know, a lot, you know, so he knows, yeah. you know, what's going on. So it's kind of surprising really, but yeah, it just felt a little bit kind of just, uh, a bit static. a little bit static. I think if we had a bit more going on, like a, you know, some tasty scenes going on, it would have, it would have helped a little bit. Because um, even the chase scenes, like when the Doctor and Mary escape um, uh, with Rom Dutt, when they escape um, and the other Swampies are chasing them across the thing, even that doesn't really feel like they're in any sort of danger or anything. You just see sort of casually trotting along the swamp and then the uh, the Swampies are legging after them, but they don't really catch them for some reason, even though the Doctor oh. and Mary are just sort of casually having a little jog and then they hop in the... Uh, hop in the boat and off they go. You know, that just feels very much, that feels quite static as well. So, yeah, yeah it's not, not great. It's not great. I mean, I know he, he probably didn't have a lot to work with with the sets. Like we said, they're, like you can tell they're really small and 
the budget side of things has clearly let down the production. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you, it just looks incredibly cheap once we get into studio. As I said, I think the location work saves it. A yes. Bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have anything else, but I did want to talk about uh, and ask your opinion on the the crawl model itself, the giant cabbage. Mm. What did you reckon <laughs> to um? <laughs> do you reckon it's actually it looks more uh, like um. Uh, if you've ever seen any cookery programs or books, some chefs like to do a roasted celeriac. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what did you think to this one then? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I love it in a sort of classic Doctor Who way. Yeah, I don't. That's all I can say, really. I can't. I, I, it's I not a ringing refi- endorsement, is it, for um the creature no, design on this? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a bit like the Drashigs. I hate to bring them up because I know you hate them, but um, I just there's something about the modern work that I just love from. Oh, shut up! This, Come on, this era. Yeah. No, I got a bit of a. I got a, a soft spot for Kroll. Well, he looks all right. It, he definitely <laughs> looks. He definitely looks better than a Drashig. Let's be honest. I said that. Can last he see week. though? He hasn't got. He hasn't got any eyes. Doesn't need to, mate. Oh. tentacles yeah it doesn't need it don't need it mate uh but i thought it was kind of cool i think one thing yeah. they did get right which does look pretty cool is the scale so um true yeah making him look huge because um there's a couple of scenes where the doctor and romana are in the boat and there's a couple of swampies in the foreground and uh and uh they look tiny compared yeah. to um compared to him so they got the scale fairly down in most shots and stuff the only bit i wasn't too keen on was later on where you see him up against the refinery in the water and you see just like a big rubbery tentacle just flopped over the top (laughs) but then again you know limitations being what they were and stuff it's it does look kind of cool it's got that old kind of you know those really really old dinosaur godzilla films that have got those puppets and stuff it's got that kind of got a charm to it definitely yeah what do you what do you reckon about the fact that he's part of the key though what do you think to that revelation at the end you know yeah that was i'm not sure about that uh, well like most things with this story on one hand (laughs) on one hand it's cool that he was just a normal squid doing his business in the swamps Mm. and uh because of the the segment you know it sort of changed his um his uh whatever it is atomic structure dna structure or whatever and made him this giant thing but on the other hand uh, it just seems like a bit of a very quick wrap up at the end like yeah. the doctor's like yeah oh, this is don't worry it's just this and everything's cool now so there's a bit of a quick wrap up it would have been cool for them to try and investigate crawl earlier on to try and get to the bottom of um you know why he's that size and on all that stuff so it was a little bit of a convenient quick explanation towards the end but mm the explanation itself was kind of cool. It just would have been nice to have dived into that a bit more because it would have provided a bit more of a thing to do throughout yeah. the story. I feel like, like a lot of things in this story, I feel like Kroll wasn't utilised very well. Like either, you said, they could have made much more of of that monster, you know, instead of just having him pop up and have a bit of a tantrum twice during the whole thing um they definitely could have made more of it it is interesting that it turns out to be the key i kind of like it but like you said it does just just wraps everything up and it's i don't know it felt a little unsatisfying in in many ways but um yeah it takes a long time to summon crawl as well doesn't it when they're doing the out of time drum it's like crawl crawl that that (laughs) went on forever i was like come on crawl come on mate oh looking at my watch 
We're waiting yeah, for you, Yeah, it seems to take forever. It literally goes on for about five minutes, all that chanting, before yeah. it's really padded. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think I've got much else to add. I, I thought Dudley's music, uh, I know, you know, out of time drum beat aside, uh, the music's quite charming in this, because I, I think we said in Tara, but it seemed a bit off. But, yeah, I thought Dudley's music was quite nice in this one. Have I got anything else on my list? No, not really. Um, oh, I just I did make a note of I did like the doctor's line because <laughs> Tom is fun in this. He Again, is, you, yeah. you said he's he's kind of carrying it. He does get some lovely lines in this, and I did make a note of um, I liked it in the last part where he turned to I think it's Thorn, and he says, "Oh, maybe Kroll's saving you for pudding." <laughs> and I just thought that's very funny. Um, so I loved little moments like that. They do help to keep you going in a story like this. I think when you've got a it's quite laboured. This story, it's quite. It does drag a lot, a lot of padding. You need moments from Tom mm-hmm. yeah. like that, just to just to make you smile and wake you up. <laughs> he's quite funny so, as well. He is quite funny in this one. He's good. Yeah, he's quite good in this one. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. I don't think I've got anything else. No. Yeah, same, mate. I'm done. Definitely done with this one. Yeah. Right. Okay. Scores on the doors. Who's going to go? Whose turn is it to go first? Uh, I think it's you, isn't it? I first this me. time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going in with a four. Four. Okay. Um, I've written 5.5. I didn't hate it. Um, just didn't think it was that great. So 5.5. 5.5. Yeah, I went for a four just because I was bloody bored. Mm. Literally by the end of it, I was like, thank God for that. I was pleased <laughs> when it was over. I think yeah. there was a slight bit of relief for me because, believe it or not, I remembered it being worse. I think I went into it with unbelievably low expectations. <laughs> um, it wasn't quite as bad as I remembered. So I, yeah, yeah. I think that helped. <laughs> yeah. Not a terrible watch, um, but certainly one of, I think one of the fourth doctors in terms of his era, one of his lowest um, points, I would say, and definitely the lowest point. Well, we'll find out next week, but definitely the lowest point so far in the key to time. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. the one I've enjoyed least so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's overtaken Tara. Yes. Yeah. So a four from me, five, five point five from Im. What did our listeners think? We had a few audio clips in. First of all, from Down Under, this is Sammy. G'day, Gary, and what the insert expletive here was that accent you were doing last week, Adam? Did oh. you strangle a galah? <laughs> Sammy Satine here. <laughs> so the power of crawl. What a complete waste of time. What on earth is Robert Holmes thinking? I can't tell you how rubbish this is. I like Romana one. See, here's a companion for the audience to see the Doctor through that may, yes, be one of his own kind, but no less interesting, and gives us the ability to see him from a different perspective than previously. This is precisely what is lacking with 13 and the fam. Chibnall, are you listening? I give this story four crawl out of ten. Stay safe, keep washing your hands, wearing mask, etc. See ya. A four as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, big galah. Big, great galah. <laughs> yeah, Adam, what are you doing? Bloody oh, I promise to do an ac- uh, Aussie accent again. Oh, dear. A four from <laughs> Sammy, though. Yep, kind of agree with you there. Old Sam, old Sammy. Yep. Uh, moving on. This is... Um, is it Tom this week or is it Seb? Let's find out. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you're all well. Please do excuse my voice. I am quite ill this week. Well, anyway, this week, it's the power of crawl. Hmm, it's an interesting one. Well, Romana, as per usual, is on top form. 
she's definitely my favourite Romana. I think, well, I'd say this is a guilty pleasure of mine. I like it. Actually, yes, I like it a lot. Although it drags in some parts, I still think it makes for an excellent story. And it might be one of my favourites of the season. So, I hope you enjoy it. But, but I have a feeling that you won't. Well, we'll see. Bye for now. <laughs> yes. Well. We uh, definitely didn't enjoy it as much as we hoped we would. A guilty pleasure. Seb, yeah. Uh, Seb, rolling with the Tom Baker impressions. Another week. I think this is like week number six now, isn't it? We've had, now, what's, we've had what Tom. are you going to do, Seb, when we get to another doctor? Are you going to burst into McCoy and start rolling your R's? Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Seb. Uh, right, Joe Turner. Let's do it. Crow, crow, crow. The power of crow. Well, to sum this up, there was lots of very out-of-breath crow chanting and a giant squid-looking creature called crow who kept appearing, killed someone with those awful, inaccurate tentacles, which took an age to wrap a body around, and then disappeared again. Tom was very good again. Um, he cracked a few jokes and was very funny. Romana wasn't overly involved, but when she was, it was often putting Tom in his place, which I found very funny. And I liked the stuff happening at the refinery with the crew and their contrasting view especially when it comes to murdering an entire group of Swampies. It was quite entertaining. But once we cut back to the Swampies and that silly leader who was incredibly stubborn and naive, well, I just didn't have the patience. Finally, the guy who played Rankin was okay, but he had a very poor Cockney accent. But, oh well. Overall, I'd give this episode a 4 out of 10. It was just a little bit under par for me this week and probably the lowest point in the key to time. But I suppose the only way is up. Thank you. Another 4. Yes, the only way is up. Well, is it? I don't know. What have we got? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Last, the last one, isn't it? Yeah. The Armageddon. So hopefully, see. Joe, hopefully the only way is up indeed. But yeah, another four. Thank you very much, Joe. Last one, Martin Arnold. I'm not sure this is a good idea because in the background you can hear a lot of noise and that's the thunderstorm that has now started to happen behold the power of crawl so if this doesn't make it to broadcast either i recorded it too late or it's just not suitable so apologies um or not it's only rock and crawl but i like it this is a, a, a good ball home story i'd forgotten he wrote this and i actually really like this it's my favorite of the key to time stories um uh or at least equal with the wireless operation uh, i enjoyed both episodes uh for very different reasons this is a good paced story. The, the the cast are really strong. The people playing the um, the base, I forget their names, one of them is K9, I think, uh, are really good. You know, they're, they're a really good, well-chosen cast. And of course, the other one is Solon uh, from The Brain of Morbius. And it's a nicely subversive script. Um, I'm going to sign off now because I fear the power of Kroll uh, is reaching overhead. But this is a good story. I'll give this an 8 out of 10. Take care, Time Lords. Thank you very much, Martin. Eight. Martin, I'm pretty sure Kroll was just creeping up behind him out of the water there. Yeah, it sounds like he was in the swamp. still with there. us. Yeah, it did. Hope you're still with us, Martin. Kroll didn't get you. Yeah, glad you like this one, Martin. Mm. Yes. Uh, that's going to do for uh, audio clips. We had a few over on the socials, over on Twitter. 
Jeff Waddle says, too slight a story for four episodes. Not great, but not awful in a bang average season. Given that we didn't have fancy TVs in the 70s, in the cliffhanger to episode three, Kroll looked very impressive. Uh, now it makes the dish rags look like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. <laughs> the dish rags, love it. Uh, gives it a six, though, six out of ten. Uh, our writer, Jordan Shortman, says, it's a story where the concept works, but it falls apart visually. Kroll itself is pretty impressive, as is the location work, and somewhere the script has a commentary on uh, colonialism, etc., but it gets lost in the green body paint, boring sets, and dull direction. Uh, not too bad, just okay. Yeah. Uh, Rick Moran from the Dwass, uh, short and sweet, good script, let down by limited production values, a six out of ten. And the Lost on Gallifrey podcast says, it's all right, this one. Bog standard, some would say. Very good. Uh, not much <laughs> happens in a lot of runtime, but I appreciate the location work and the long shots of Kroll. Like the idea of what Kroll is. Spoiler. Apart from that, all I ever, uh, all I ever remember is Tom's high-pitched scream. Uh, gives it a 5.5. Yeah. Get the 5.5. And over on Facebook, we had a few there. Um, where's that gone? Right. Charlie Turner says, uh, so bad, it's good like the Crotons. Ooh. Fun too, I might add, even if Kroll himself looks ridiculous, an 8 out of 10. <laughs> Don't uh, let him hear you say that, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, Millie McKenzie says, oh dear. This series was doing so well, I enjoyed John Leeson's real person acting and the torture device was cool, but it really wasn't very good. And I don't say that often. Also, where are all the women, the the women swampies? That's a good point. Where are all the chicks? Yeah, the, the the green chicks. Yeah, there's no uh, no female swampies. No feet, not at all. You swampy lover. Yeah, you swampy lover. Uh, but Millie gives it a five out of ten. Great cure for insomnia, though. She says. <laughs> uh, it's just all green dudes. That's a very good point. Lots of green yeah. dudes, no green chicks. I don't know. Uh, and lastly, Toby Coleman says, I watched this recently after falling asleep for the first time. I watched it. I, re I enjoyed it, but I can see why it has a negative reputation. I enjoyed watching the voice of K9 act and I quite enjoyed the setting, which I have been near when it was filmed before I knew where it had been filmed. Oh. Uh, Tom and Mary were brilliant as ever. And the torture device was interesting. I didn't know Tom could hit them high notes. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, the chanting was out of time and Kroll itself was date has dated badly. I didn't fully get into the story. I'm a little confused. Overall, six tentacles of calamari out of 10. <laughs> so there we go. I think overall, as expected, the power of Kroll not really hitting the mark. But we have got a few fans, it seems. Yeah. Which is good. I think there's, there's worse. So I think it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty middle of the road. Yes. But there are a lot worse. Next week, Underworld. bud. <laughs> Underworld. <laughs> next week, bud. What we got? Oh, next week. So oh, we're, we're wrapping up the key to time season then with uh, the Armageddon Factor, the final story. Will they get all the segments? What will they do with them? I wonder. I wonder. Um, is this a six-parter? It is, yes. Oh, my word. Okay, I hope it's good because yeah, whereas with... Yeah, whereas with Kroll, I remember, you know, I got it in my head that it, it was not that good. And I don't really remember anything about the Armageddon Factor. I, I genuinely can't think of, I can't remember if it's good, bad. I just don't remember anything about it. Apart from giant headphones, that's the only thing I can think mm. of. I'm not even sure if I've got the right story. Yeah, well. Giant headphones? 
Yeah, yeah, you got the right story. Big silver can. Yeah, yep, that's yep. literally all I can remember. So, in a weird way, I'm looking forward to it. But six parts, it better be good. Yeah, off to see what those dudes on Atrios and Zeos are fighting about. Are we? Uh, I assume we're going to see the White Guardian again at some point. Are we going to see the Black yeah, Guardian? Yeah, it all comes I to uh, light. It's, yep. it's got to come together. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Underworld. Oh. I assume you're not a fan. Well. Uh, have a have a shot who directed Underworld. Oh no, was it? Norman. You're, you're, <laughs> Norman. Yeah, bugger. What's his name? Norman what? Norman Stewart. Norman directed Stewart. Directed well, two episodes two stories of Doctor Who, Power of Kroll and Underworld. Bless him. Uh, what what a CV. Uh, anyways. Uh so next week, uh we're on to the final part. And I think we're gonna do the bud for uh what episode is this? Two seven seven. Two seven seven. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking around for another week and joining us on the show. It's, we had some awesome news to talk through. It's great that Chris Eccleston is back playing the Doctor over at Big Finish. Uh, can't wait for that dude. I wonder who they're going to pair him with, whether, whether they're going to do a, a cheeky little companion uh, link up or if he's going to go solo. I don't know. Or Clive. You could have Clive back. Or the Clive, Clive Adventures. You'd love that, wouldn't you? Could you just imagine? He's like, so it, you spoke to Rose, didn't you? I can't, you know, something's happened, but, you know, I need you. You know, you've got all of this research, everything. Let's go. We're off. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, you could do it because, um, uh, what's his name? Benton. What's his name? Oh, Ad, uh, Ian Levine. No, Ian, Ian not, Levine? not Benton. Um, the actor Clive. Oh, Clive, sorry. Um, Mark Benton. Mark it? Benton, sorry. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah not, not Ian Levine. Yeah, he's been doing a bit of big finish lately, hasn't he? So it could happen. They could do, yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, Levine. we in Levine John with Chris Levine, Eccleston. John Levine, oh no. Is it John Levine? John Levine. John Levine, oh my God. Anyway, whatever companion they put with him, it will be awesome. Yes. But how cool would it be to have Ace and the Doctor and the Ninth Doctor? That would be cool. Oh, I'd love that. Anyways, forgetting Ian Levine, whoever that is, um, remember to check out uh, the website Big Blue Box Podcast at Cadet UK. You can listen to all of our previous eps on there. Plus, you can link off to the various podcast apps and networks. Uh, so you can subscribe. You don't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And uh, if you've got a minute to leave a rating and a review, that'd be awesome because that helps us out loads. All of our articles from our awesome writing team on there as well. Loads of big finish reviews and just general cool Doctor Who articles. Uh, we're on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Hit us up over there. And there's a link on the website to our free Discord server. So come and hang out and chat Doctor Who there as well. Uh, check out my co-host channel on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, The Geek's Handbag. Lots of vids for you to go and enjoy over there on the old YouTube. Indeedy. Get a drink, get yourself comfy, settle in and watch loads of Adam's videos. Adam's on the socials too under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Give him a like and a follow so we can waffle about Doctor Who like we do on this show too. Uh, right. Next week, the Armageddon Factor. We're going to wrap up the key to time to get that watched because we'll be asking for your thoughts over there. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, and...